growing up the way that I did, wanting to be perfect, my sister and I were overweight. We would be called Bertha Butt. I had those teachers tell me that I wasn't good enough. My medical records is the way that they described me. Depressed, fearful, frightened, angry, helpless, hopeless, depressed, worthless, detached. And now I'm speaking to like 800 of you. And I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm really not. Our experiences, good and bad, make us who we are. And a big one for me is my battle with mental illness and my stay in the mental hospital. It's my story, I'm not embarrassed, and it's the story that brings me to you every week. So welcome, friend, to Consider Yourself Hugged, episode 63. Today's hug, the word stress, session four, stress club study for women. I am Dr. Tammy West, here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. So today's chapter of the Stress Club book, chapter five, I titled Got Gas, which I'll tell you about in just a second. Um, Let me go ahead and say that there may be some background noise today. I have, you know, we're all living life differently. And, And I don't often say all, but I feel like all of us are living life. I feel safe saying all of us are living life differently. Now, it could be two different degrees of different but life has changed. So in my home, I usually have the home all to myself as my big home office. And I record in my podcast closet and all that. But we have my daughter and her dog and my husband's home. So there's been bathing and dog barking and stomping and moving. I say stomping that comes along with it and intent. But you know, I'm saying there are noises. So I'm just going with it, going with the flow. You are probably trying to go with the flow. So there you go. Now, let's recap the sessions that we have talked about so far. So today we're doing chapter five. We've already done chapters one and two together. And that's where I talked about being frogs in pots and how we have been conditioned. The stress is a part of life. And now we're just about near boiling. And then in chapter two, I shared my story with you, the fungus on the floor, and also talked about a formula for happiness. And and I encouraged you to think about your own story in light of your genetics, your your life circumstances, your choices, and all those things. And then we talked about the actual what language is in the chapter called I'm Not Mad, which there I shared with you this field of, of discurse, discursive psychology and what that really means. And then we did this session on using language as women. I hope that's right. I think that's where we are. So today we're ready to talk about that word, that word. I try to forbid people from saying that word stress. I did a session here on consider yourself hugged on the word stress a long, long time ago, but this is a great time to revisit it. And I'll talk about it in a couple of different ways. So first, let me share two stories with you. The first story was in 1994, three days before Christmas, and I was married before. My husband was a police officer, and it was in the middle of the night, like three, four in the morning, and I woke up to his voice saying, get up, the house is on fire. So we jumped up, we grabbed our three kids, they were ages two, four, and six. We had to kick out the window because about two-thirds of the house, the attic, was already on fire. So we got out. Everybody was safe, including our dog, but not our fish, which was kind of sad. But the rest of us got out and the, the house burned to the ground. 
That's story number one. Story number two is more recent when I married my husband, which you might know. So Tim and I married in 2003 and we blended eight children ages nine to 17, I think two girls, six boys. Yeah. Eight kids. Six of them lived with us full time. So I was teaching high school teenagers all day, come home, teenagers all night. We had towel issues, laundry issues, dish issues, kids in school, getting, you know, back and forth to sports, all those things. So those are two of my stories, my two stories. Now, if you were here in front of me, I would say to you, is it safe to say that those stories, let's say the fire, that that was a stressful situation and you would probably say, oh my gosh, yes. And then I would say, is it safe to say that our marriage and the blending and all that was a stressful situation? And you would probably say, oh my gosh, yes. And I don't mean to trick people when I ask you that question, but what struck me about it was that I was assigning the same word, stress, to a situation where we literally almost died. I feel like we were minutes away from that attic collapsing. So the word stress, same word to describe the biggest blessing in my life. So now let me let me go to the book. If you are with me, um, I am going to read on page 58. And this was from fake name K. <clears throat> K um, had a job as a teacher's aide. And we were just talking about the word stress. You know, what is what does it mean to you? And she says, okay, here goes the book. I graduated with my teaching degree. We've got two children. One's in first grade. One is five. So she'll start kindergarten next year. A couple of years ago, my sister-in-law went through domestic, domestic violence. She was abused by her husband for two or three years that we knew of. He shot her and he only had to serve about a certain length of time in prison. He gets out soon. So he went in in July. He got out with criminally negligent homicide, even though he admitted his guilt. But because he accepted a plea deal, he was able to bide his time. So, of course, the stress of that, you know, with my husband, that was his sister, you know, and he feels like he couldn't save her. So the stress of just living day to day, you know, of beating depression is a battle, especially with two kids. Here's what struck me about this. And please know, no judgment call here. Um because I did the same thing. We lump, and I actually put this in bold on page 59. We lump it all. And in her case, daycare and murder under the same word, stress. So the women in my study, when I asked them what was stress to them, it was everything from money to air conditioning to folding and just giving up on life. It's such a broad term that takes our power away. So now if you're, again, if you're reading with me on the book, I'm still on page 59. There's a scale that I posted when I wrote Life Without the Monsters, which I'm not selling anymore until I redo that chapter on stress. But I put in there something called the Holmes Ray Stress Scale. Um, And I put it in Life Without the Monsters to say, oh my gosh, take this to find out how stressed you are. I put it in my book, The Stress Club, because of this newfound knowledge on the word stress as an example of how varied the questions are. And so this is a scale that is designed to give you a score. And then that score is going to let you know how it goes from 11 to 100. 
And it, it's a predictor of your vulnerability to stress-related illnesses. And I just circled a few to show you how varied it is. Death of a spouse, marital reconciliation, retirement, pregnancy. Hear me flipping pages here. Um, major change in responsibilities at work. Outstanding personal achievement. Trouble with a boss. Vacation. Um, a major a death of a close friend. Taking out a mortgage. Christmas. Do you see what I'm saying? And I know, well, I don't know. I'm guessing that you could be thinking, well, yeah, but we all know there's good stress and bad stress. But still, what does the word mean? And and most of the quizzes, like you can find, if you just go Google stress quizzes, you'll find some on medical websites, on personal blogs. You'll find a ton of quizzes. The APA puts out a report every year. It's based on a questionnaire that it sends out. So it's a self-report questionnaire. And then we get these statistics. And, and I wonder if when people are answering the questions, we've already been conditioned how to answer the question. And the statistics are basically me comparing myself to you. Are you comparing yourself to somebody else? It's just a comparison. So my favorite definition of stress comes from a group of researchers I will put this in the show notes. Stress, in addition to being itself and the result of itself, is also the cause of itself. So there's a little sarcasm in there. But really, what does the word mean? I probably should have said before now, please know that my heart is just to help you live a more joyful life. One where you're not a frog in a pot boiling because... You've been told this is how life is supposed to be. I'm not discounting your difficulties. If you've had a death or maybe you've lost your job through this or you've lost someone through COVID or whatever it is, I am not discounting that. But what I'm saying is I don't want us to be conditioned that everything in the world falls under this word stress and then our power is gone. Why does it matter? Words are action. When we talk, we are doing something. We're creating our, our identities with one another. We are firming up our memberships in this club that we do not want to be a part of. Maybe you don't know you don't want to be a part of, but it's not a club that you want to join. So I want to just give you a little bit of history. I think knowledge is power. Um, I think that knowing the history of a word and why we used it and how it came to be where it is today is empowering and you can impress your friends you know with a little bit of knowledge so here we go i'm just going to give you three ways to view stress and they have basically evolved to a way that we can look at it today the first one and i'm in the book i'm going to be over on page 64 for a moment is actually the first time the word stress was used with people you know to look at at bodies so Wait a minute. What did I have on here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there it is. So this is why I t- titled the chapter Got Gas. So this guy named Hans Selye, he was a Hungarian doctor. And in 1956, he gave us one of the earliest medical definitions of stress. And he said, it is the nonspecific response of the body to any demand made upon it to adapt, whether that demand produces pain or pleasure. That's kind of where we came up with this eustress versus distress. 
good stress versus bad stress. This is why that Holmes race stress scale has vacation, but also death on it because it, it, it puts a demand on the body for the body to adapt, whether it's for good or for bad. And with that definition, he gave us gas, general adaptation syndrome. And basically he said that this thing called stress has long lasting detrimental effects on the body. Now, this is not a bad thing um, as far as trying to come up with a medical explanation for what was happening to some people because of these demands. But now I'm reading just a little bit over on page 67. The problem is, is that again, it gets lumped under, everything gets lumped under there. All demands in life, health, finances, job, family, friends, loss, tragedy, vacation, holidays, moves, graduations, parties, promotions, demotions, births, deaths, lack of sleep, headaches, business, marriage, divorce, literally everything is lumped under it. And then we're told that we're dying from it. So for the longest time, this stress notion was looked at as a medical thing, just simply the body trying to adapt to a demand. Well, in the 1980s, there were some researchers, and in particular, a guy named Lazarus, and I'm going to be over on page 69 now. Some of these researchers started noticing, okay, well, but some people might die because they had a death in the in the family and a divorce and financial thing and vacation, but somebody else didn't. One person is getting sick and saying headaches and heart issues and another person isn't. So what is the deal? Um, well, he said, so this is this guy named Lazarus, and I'll put all these definitions in the show notes. He said, stress occurs when an individual perceives that the demands of an external situation are beyond his or her perceived ability to cope with them. So in other words, two or more people can have the exact same life situation. One might call it stressful. One might not call it stressful. Okay, well, still things are not getting better. So, so that evolved into, oh, all the things that we still try to do today. So I just need to look at it differently. So I just need to, per- to change my perception. So I just need to be more positive. So I just, and th- none of those things are bad. I know that I sound like I'm making fun. I'm not. Changing the way we view things is crucial. Maturing in our thoughts is crucial. But the problem is things are still not getting better. And this was in the 1980s. So now let's fast forward to this new way of looking at stress. And that is, so number three is stress as a social construct. So I'm going to read something to you over on page 70 about holiday stress in women. So I did a, I'm just going to read it, even though it's going to sound just like me talking. I did a Google search for holiday stress women And this well-known online magazine posted an article encouraging women to keep stress from hijacking the holidays. You've seen it, right? Keep stress from bringing you down. And the article warns that stress is caused by the way we think about and function in our environments. Okay, so it's about the way we think. But then 
we are encouraged with a few simple shifts in thinking that can keep stress away. And I'm like, okay, good. It's simple. Just a few simple ways to think. One groundbreaking idea was to give up perfectionism and the thinking that we should do things like make cookies and host parties. Okay, so we've got this magazine saying, um, keep stress from hijacking you by shifting your thinking, by giving up perfectionism, by by not thinking that you should do things. Funny thing, on the same page were links to instructions for making your own calendars, holiday food ideas, holiday card ideas, and more. So now I'm confused. Is stress caused me by me doing these things, not doing these things, thinking about these things? Are the links here so I'll do these things? Should I do them perfectly? Will that decrease my stress? I'm so confused. So the popular discourse, which just means sort of public talk, tells us stress is bad, but it's normal. It's motivating, but it's debilitating. It's universal, but it's manageable. And when I talk to my friends, that doesn't really help either because some are married with children. They have full-time jobs. They come home to a messy house and they say they're always stressed. Others that I know are single, they're full-time or full-time students or they no kids or they live in apartments and they're all stressed too. So... What is this deal? Some researchers in this new paradigm are saying that stress is a social construct, meaning it is what we say it is. It's constructed in this world. They tell us that stress, the new researchers, can almost give you a certain social standing, heroic for those who claim it. They propose I think accurately that stress has become a way of perceiving the world and as such is it should be of interest to scientists and all of us. So when I say stress discourse and a construct, I mean those messages that come to us from a variety of sources. I will post some pictures in the show notes of some examples of this. So by a social construct, I mean we see messages all the time that life is awful Life is terrible. Life is stressful. Life is busy. I'll post these pictures. One is for a mini blind ad. It shows this woman with mini blinds and she says, I go a million miles an hour. So I save energy wherever I can. And, and these mini blinds are going to help. Um, there, I took a picture on a rental car bus once. It's going to be blurry when you see it posted, but, but it said like, you've got time for a receipt. Okay, so no time you need to be running. Then there was another ad for makeup. And the ad says, because we all have to do 10 things at once perfectly. So this is not, you know, there is research out there about, in fact, I wanted to read something else to you. There is research out there about the commercialism when it comes to stress. Um, So a couple of distinct messages about stress and commercialism. Magazines encourage commercialism, but they also send the message that we're supposed to change how we think and how we feel. A big boost for advertisements, and I'm on page 73, 73, is that they're often accompanied in the same magazine by credible articles from authorities like psychiatrists and psychologists. So you have a medical doctor interviewed about how to manage stress, So that should mean, oh, this is a good magazine. And then you have an ad for a product. Well, it must be a legit product if it's in this credible magazine. 
Thus, women are not encouraged to use their distress as indicators of legitimate grievances like social factors, like poverty, um, poor management, household child care. Nope, we just call it stress. There's no need to identify the real problem because there's a product to take care of it. Part of the title of my book is Take Your Power Back. And this is such a big part of it. Listen, as long as, and there's a deodorant out there too for stress sweat, because stress sweat is different from normal sweat is what they tell you. Look, as long as deodorant commercials tell you, they'll help you with your stress sweat. As long as mattresses, for example, will tell you they'll help you sleep. There's a paper plate commercial that helps women juggle. As long as paper plates are going to tell you that, as long as rental cars are going to say you need to be stressed, as long as as um, makeup in many blind companies can help you with what they consider your stress. As long as a financial company can tell you you don't have time to meet with them because you're stressed. That was a recent commercial that I saw. As long as those messages go unnoticed, we have lost our power. And that is where we will spend the rest of the chapters on how to get this power back and stop participating. And sadly... I'm always sad. That is our time for today. I am continuing to pray for our country and our leaders, everyone's roles, people affected. I pray for you. I hope that you join me in that, and I hope that you are staying mentally and emotionally healthy. Please pass the show link along to a friend or two and subscribe, download, rate, review, wherever you are listening. Head over to my website, TammyWest.com, to get information if you would like for me to speak at your event, and also the quotes and the links that I promised. I would love for you to follow me on social media. Those links are in the show notes. And if you are a woman and you haven't joined my private Facebook group, The Stress Club, please do that. The links will be in the show notes. If you missed the Stress Club free Kindle giveaway, send me a message, text me, social media, email, whatever, and I will send you a PDF. It's not as good as having the Kindle or the real book because it's a big old PDF, but at least you will have something. Um, I don't intend to really sell products until soon. I will soon. But through this crisis, I just want to be there, be present, and help where I can. So thank you so much for listening, for growing our community. I pray that every day you remember to love and serve and feel worthy to grow, to connect, to change, and to be the best person you can be for yourself and for the other humans in your world. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.